faithwire.com. Some pro-life activists make a really gruesome, grim discovery at an abortion clinic. Today is Tuesday, April 5th, 2022. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have that evolving story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. Go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes right now. If you're new to us, you're just joining us today, finding us in a web article, subscribe on iTunes. We are here Monday through Friday. We're going through the news of the day from a Christian perspective, and we would love to have you with us. And with me today, as always, Trey Gons Phillips and Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire with a quick look at what is coming up on today's podcast. How's it going, guys? Living the dream. Mm. Always. Yes. Always, course. always. <laughs> you were so subdued, Trey. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm living yeah. a dream. I'm just loving life. <laughs> it's Tuesday. Tuesday's just kind of a normal day. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. It's yeah. Tuesday. It should be Friday, um. but it's Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> so what's coming yeah. up? So I'm going to talk about uh, Mark Wahlberg. We actually just caught up with him about his new movie, and we talked about cancel culture and uh, about his faith. So we'll get into to some of those details. Mm. Uh, we're also going to talk about this story, and I'm, I'm sighing as I get into it because it is a tough and bizarre story about a man who claims he was possessed. He's being accused of killing his mother, among other bizarre behavior. So we'll get into that story as well. All right, and I should sigh very largely at this story that I'm leading with today. And it all started last week, guys, when pro-life activist Lauren Handy made a bunch of headlines in the middle of the week when uh, police and medical examiners removed the bodies of five unborn babies from her Washington, D.C. apartment. You may have saw those headlines, and everyone was scratching their heads going, what is going on with that? And... um, Lauren had made the comment, like, wait, do you see what's coming? There's there's more news here. And so uh, a whole mystery unfolded. Lila Rose had posted some of these pictures of these aborted babies, and they're just horrifying, just absolutely horrifying. Um, but Handy, she'd been arrested, and this is she is with a progressive group. Guys, this is a little unusual for uh, the pro-life movement, but not unprecedented. There is a wide net of people who identify as pro-life that includes atheists that includes progressives um all different kinds of people find themselves uh represented in the pro-life movement but but lauren had been arrested earlier in the day because she was charged with violating a federal law this is from an incident back in 2020 so this is where it got confusing because she got arrested and everyone thought it was for the for the babies that were found in her office but that wasn't what the arrest had to do with the arrest had to do with um, charges that came from something that happened back in 2020 in which she and some other activists were quote unquote obstructing access to an abortion clinic so basically they would go to an abortion clinic chain themselves to chairs tell women not to get abortions and try to stop abortion from happening so this is incredible guys she could face more than a decade in prison for doing that that i I'm not a legal expert, but that seems hard to fathom that you could face 10 years in prison for be for for staging a protest, you know, some civil disobedience at a at an abortion clinic. That that seems a little harsh um, in my mind, especially when you realize what's going on at those abortion clinics. Like nobody's facing charges for killing unborn babies, but if you stand in there and try to stop someone from doing that, you'll find yourself 
in the slammer for a bunch of years. So so that's pretty wild. So, But the story has taken a different turn since last week. Um, the, the progressive group that Lauren is involved with um, and let me get the name, guys. I don't know if you have the name handy. I I lost my uh, my page, but it's the P A A U, I believe, and it's called Progressive Anti-Abortion Uprising. And so these are aggressives that uh, are f- fighting against abortion. So they had a press conference today at 11 uh, a.m. and also having a press conference today at about the same time. Master Jeff Durbin, who's very active uh, in in the fight against abortion, he fights it on a state level. They try to have state laws change. They've been doing that um, around uh, the country in, in many different states. Someone named A.J. Hurley, who is also an abortion, uh, you know, against abortion and an activist. And so he was involved in this story as well, but um, decided to talk to Jeff and participate in this other um, press conference that was going on at the same time. So you have dueling press conferences, essentially what's happening. And the deals that A.J. brought out were really... Um, quite stunning. Basically, the way he described it was that they were protesting at this clinic in D.C. and a medical waste truck came and some of the activists started talking to the driver saying, hey, do you know what's in those boxes that you're putting in there? And according to them, the guy had no clue. And they told him he was mortified. And then they asked, allegedly, that if they could have the boxes. And the reason being... Because the driver asked, we would like to provide a proper burial for these unborn babies who have been killed. And according to them, the driver basically wink, wink, nodded, nodded, saying, well, I'll look the other way. You do whatever you're going to do. And basically allowed them to take the boxes, which is how these babies ended up coming into the news and into Lauren's home. And that's a long saga that we are still working through the details on exactly how that happened. And when our article goes up later... Uh, today, hopefully, we will have all of those details confirmed in there, but we're still working on confirmation for that. But the number of babies is upwards of 115 that were in these boxes. And some of them, which have been shown, are just... All of it's tragic, but when you, you, when you can really visualize and see the size of some of these babies, it's just... It's... It's so difficult to look at, and it's it's impossible when you see these to wonder how anyone could be for any abortion when it's so clearly a human, the hands, the face, the head, everything there, and, and pretty large-sized babies as well. I mean, it had to be close to six, you know, five, six pounds, pretty, pretty full along. And so that's the that's the backdrop of it, guys. We're gonna see what happens as Lauren is facing these charges still. Um, according to AJ, that Lauren was working with authorities every step of the way, even though the headlines made it look like she was being charged with um, having these babies there. There was a report that someone tipped off the medical examiner's office and said uh, that there was, quote, a tip regarding a, a potential biohazard material at, at, um, at this girl's house, uh, this woman's house. And so then... After they investigate it, they find the the five fetuses inside, um, the five babies inside, I should say. Then they were collected by the uh, chief medical examiner, and now they're investigating that to see if any rules were broken there. And of course, the irony there, guys, and why does this matter is you have her potentially facing charges for, in 2020, obstructing 
access to abortion. You have her potentially facing some sort of maybe punishment or fine or something else for having these aborted babies in her house. And yet these aborted babies are, are allowed to happen. And it's just kind of like, you know, uh, you, you wonder the priorities here, how as a society, we don't see that the actual killing in the first place maybe is the thing that we should focus on rather than the other things. But, um, but why as, so as why does it matter? I mean, I think it's pretty clear that life, you know, matters and all of these unborn lives matter. And it's just tragic to see them being discarded with the garbage and with medical waste. I mean, when you think about that, having your child being described as medical waste, it's, it's incredibly sad. It's incredibly disturbing guys. And there's a lot to this story and we're trying to unpack it and confirm all the different details. Yeah, it's a mind bender. And there's, you know, you're trying to figure out, okay, what, why was, you know, what are the initial charges? That's a whole separate case. I think one of the, one of the things that people were doing for clicks with this, as you were kind of mentioned, it, it seemed that way anyway. It's like woman who, you know, had five bodies, fetuses, bodies in her apartment, dot, 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 like that, that sort of became the headline. And so it kind of conflated the finding of the unborn baby's bodies with these other things that she yeah. was being accused of. And so I think it's just a lesson in how we frame things too, because you're trying to get people to pay attention to something. And, and if you're just reading the headline on that, you're going to assume she's in trouble for that. But as far as we know right now, there is an investigation into, you know, again, the procurement of those remains and all of that and how they got there. The irony, if somebody were to be punished, as you were saying, Dan, for having, the remains of right. these aborted, you know, babies, why would anybody care? If you're treating them as though they're just trash, which obviously we know they are not, they're human beings, then why does anybody care what happens to them? I guess is right. sort of the right. is sort of the question. Hmm. Yeah, I think that that is an irony worth pointing out that to the to the left or to 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 people who have no issue with abortion, this should then be a non story. Right, because if you don't have an issue with abortion and you just see uh, them, you know, it's just remains that are, you know, it's not worth anything more yeah. than than your than your kidney or you know whatever else. Yeah. Then you know, why does why does it matter if somebody has them? So I think that's an important thing to highlight. And uh, also, it, it this story just so perfectly uh, summarizes and puts on display why it is so difficult to get the facts and to understand, uh, uh, you know, to succinctly understand the story uh, when the media is often so biased uh, mm -hmm. against pro-lifers or so biased against Christians and conservatives. Uh, and then you've got social media. So everything is, it's like two realities. One, everything is happening very quickly and all of it is being posted on social media. So it's already confusing in that way. Uh, and then you bring in this biased media uh, where they're taking angles that are not necessarily truthful or are not necessarily the most coherent, uh, you know, in order to frame a story like the pro-lifer is the villain. Uh, so then it just becomes that much more difficult to wrap your head around what's really going on. And to your point, Dan, it distracts from the evil that is at the center of all of this, uh, which is uh, abortion and these these babies who have pointlessly lost their lives. 
Um, so, you know, like, like you said, we're trying to kind of piece it together and get the story figured out. Uh, but it certainly is once all the details are available to us and once a clear picture of what's going on comes to light, it's certainly important to talk about because if this stuff is illegal or illegal, doesn't matter. It's evil and it's grotesque and it needs to be talked about. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, we are we're looking into it. We are reaching out, talking to the sources and directly involved. And uh, we'll try to get to the bottom of the details because I do think the media, like you said, had sort of an agenda and didn't didn't really do a good job of portraying actually what was going on there. I, it's like the same thing with the Planned Parenthood videos, guys. When when um, yeah. when uh, I forget his name was it David Deleden or something like that went undercover, and um, the media story ended up being the Planned Parenthood talking point, which was, oh, these are selectively edited videos. <laughs> Which uh, the media ran with that explanation of it rather than just, you know, and that he had broken some law, you know, trying to trying to get these videos and not just wait a minute. But you're missing the the whole baby dismemberment thing. You're ignoring that. Like, yeah, yeah, you broke a law and you selectively edited. So that's what we're going to focus on. So you can't trust the media as far as you can throw them. (laughs) Yeah. So. All right. Let's move on to story number two. This one is a bit more of an uplifting story. Uh, we caught up with Mark Wahlberg recently to talk about his new movie. Uh, it's called Father Stu, uh, and it chronicles the life of Stuart Long, who died in 2014. Uh, he moved to Hollywood, Long did, from Montana in hopes of launching his own movie career. This was many years ago. Uh, that didn't pan out as he hoped, though. Uh, and uh, while he was in Los Angeles, he met a devout Catholic woman who taught Sunday school. And in an attempt to win her over, because he, he was attracted to her and wanted to date her, he decided, well, okay, I'll just start going to church services as a non-believer. Uh, but after an unanticipated uh, accident, a, a, a serious watershed moment in his life, what started out as just a means to an end to start a relationship uh, with this woman uh, actually became a way of life that led Long to join the priesthood and become the man he was until his death in 2014 at age 50, uh, which was Father Stu. Uh, so Wahlberg told us that he was really moved by the story and said he felt a calling to tell Long's story and to put it into a movie. Uh, he said that God has been behind the making of the movie from the beginning. Uh, he said that's why he was so confident in taking the risk to actually invest his own money in the film. Uh, he told us there were powers that be at work here and have been since the very beginning to intercede along the way and to make the movie the right way and to get the reaction that we're getting. Now, we should note the movie is is certainly pretty gritty, uh, and it has a lot of language in it that, that might be offensive uh, to, to some of our listeners, but it does tell an incredible story uh, and even includes toward the end a complete gospel presentation by Wahlberg uh, in character as Father Stu, which I thought was was really compelling. Uh, it tells it from, you know, from beginning to end uh, about Jesus's life and about his death on the cross to save us from our sins, uh, which is not something you see very often in Hollywood. Um, so I, I thought that was is worth noting. Mm. Uh, Wahlberg also, though, in our conversation, condemned cancel culture and said that his n- new movie highlights the need for grace and forgiveness uh, in our culture. Uh, he talked about his own past issues, his own run-ins with the law when he was younger, and said that it wasn't until he was in his late 20s 
uh, that he began to take his faith seriously. Uh, and he said, when I started to really trust God and to lean into that, he said, that's when I noticed little, small, incremental changes in his life in the right direction that ultimately led him to become who he is to get today, which is obviously, you know, a, a, a Golden Globe nominated successful actor. Uh, but as far as the movie, he said, this movie has a very clear message that we are not going to give up on people. We're not going to turn our backs on people because of mistakes that they've made. We're going to tell people and encourage people that nobody is beyond redemption and that we support you, we love you, and we accept you for who you are. He also told us that there's nothing worse uh, than someone realizing that nobody cares about them anymore. He said that will often cause people to lose hope uh, and to lose faith uh, in themselves, but also could lead them to lose faith uh, in God. And this was actually probably the most interesting. He talked about uh, what success looks like for him uh, overall. Uh, he said it might not have been, this might not have been his description of success many years ago, but now at 50 years old and someone who wants to take his faith more seriously and really talk openly about it, uh, he said that success for him now is bringing more people to God and leaving a legacy of prompting positive change in people's lives. He said if this is a movie that really changes people's lives and motivates them and inspires them to do great things, all I've really got to do is convert one person and I get to go through the pearly gates. So if I can continue to do that in a major way, remaining humble and just doing it for all the right reasons, then I would much rather have that be my legacy than being the biggest box office star in the world. Uh, so it was. we had a, a great conversation. You can read more uh, about it over at faithwire.com, but it's always encouraging uh, when we talk to celebrities or people who are famous uh, and they're willing to use their platform to glorify God and to point others to God. Uh, so I think anytime that happens, uh, that's worth worth highlighting and talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like what he had to say about cancel culture. And, uh, you know, it's so true, you know, because we just are, have turned into this um, culture and society that don't want to give people second chance, that, that don't value grace, that don't value any of that, which is really a lot of it is our just basic main tenets of Christianity showing grace, showing mercy, showing forgiveness, those sorts of things. Um, society's losing that in a big way, and you can really feel it now. And so good, good for him for speaking out against it, because it's not easy to do that, right? Like you're, you're, you're basically having to defend all the people who are getting in trouble for one thing or another. And so you're kind of putting yourself out there when you do. Yeah, and I think, too, the, the other piece of this, and it was such a great interview, uh, Trey, was the fact that you know, he's putting his own money where his mouth is. He's talking about, it's one thing to say, okay, this is what I'm hoping to do, right? I want to I wanna have a legacy here. It's actually funding and putting money and effort into a project that you believe in and taking mm -hmm. chances. We know that there's a faith audience. We know the faith audience is diverse and big. And so there's a lot sort of going on there. But I think it's interesting to watch these bigger actors and, and larger producers moving into these arenas and i think we're going to see more of it because we know the audience is craving it so mm -hmm. I, I think that part of the puzzle on this was really fascinating indeed yeah i mean by the way i just want to add to that he said that part of the reason why he wanted to put his money into it was because he was having trouble getting support from hollywood mm. for this movie <laughs> so he put his money into it so he can say look this movie was a success people want these redemptive stories uh so let's start making more of them and he's hoping that this is the beginning of a new season in his career of doing these kinds of films yeah that's fantastic mm. 
All right, so into our, we had a crazy story, we had an inspirational story, and now we're back into another difficult, <laughs> crazy story. Uh, this is, it, it caught my eye for a variety of reasons, um, but but it's a, a man accused of murdering his own mother. He allegedly told authorities that he believed he was possessed by demons when he committed the horrific act. Now, this is a case that stems back to May of 2021. Um, it was a homicide investigation of Teresa Graham. She's a 74-year-old. Um, and, you know, every every piece of the puzzle, and they live out in, in Colorado, but every piece of this puzzle is very bizarre. Um, but according to authorities, her son, Yarashka Graham, is 48 years old. He apparently, according to court documents, admitted to the murder I'm going to read the quote. This is what is claimed that he said uh, to an officer. He said, quote, I killed my mother. I did it, I think, on Mother's Day, but it wasn't me. I was possessed by demons. Drugs made me do it. Drugs put the demons in me. Now, going back to sort of some of the details around this, Teresa Graham's body was discovered under a tarp in May of 2021. Officials were alerted to the fact that there was a fire on this residential property where her body was found. They then discovered the body. On that same night, there are a number of media reports claiming that that her son, Yoroska Graham, drove a vehicle into other cars, was exhibiting strange behavior. Um, he allegedly uh, damaged vehicles with a metal pole, was allegedly waving a crucifix around at people, threatening to kill a cop, um, and was allegedly yelling things about Jesus and God. And so when you go back to the articles from that night, because there's two separate things going on, he was arrested that night for all of this bizarre behavior. And again, this is May of 2021. It happened to be the same night that Teresa Graham's body was found. Flash forward to this year, um, to in fact, just a couple of weeks ago, that is when um, authorities believe they had enough um, information to then accuse him and hold him for this murder. So um, anyway, one of the the factors in this case is that they were apparently tasing this guy and he was uh, not responding. He actually took the pieces of the taser off of himself and got back up. It took an entire group of police officers to subdue him that night. They arrest him. So he was being held because of that. And then now is a suspect in the murder of his mother. I read to you what he allegedly said about that. There's so many details in this case that are very, very strange. Um, one of the details, you know, he mentions um, at one point, apparently, while talking to his father in prison, and you can see this right in the affidavit, we have it over on Faithwire, uh, but he talks about the fact that he believed this neighbor that he had gone to see for help um, was responsible for giving him this demon that he believed he had. Um, he blamed this woman. He said that she used a crystal. I mean, it's just such a bizarre story. But what's so interesting is that local media, I mean, the media have been all over the story. They went and tracked down this woman. This is the same night now that the that the mother was killed, the same day that the mother was killed. He apparently went for advice. And here's what he said. He said that he went to the woman. She wanted to use a crystal to help heal him. But she, he alleged that the moment she tried to do so, everything went crazy. And he said, quote, and that was the switch. That's what put the demon into me. That's when I went nuts. And so this reporter goes and tracks the woman down and is talking to her. And she says she's a Christian, that this man, you know, that we're talking about Graham, that he accepted Christ that night at her house and left. And she was shocked 
um, over this entire case. So anyway, we could go into so many other details, but um, the one piece that has caught the media's attention is this man claiming that that he was possessed. It's a very tragic story. Um, obviously, who knows what we're dealing with here, but he has been charged with first-degree murder and tampering with a deceased body and will be due back in court in May. And so, you know, why does it matter? It's it's a bizarre story. There are claims of spiritual elements. We have no idea if we're dealing with mental illness here or what this is, but it's a very um, disturbing story. It was interesting to see the media sort of um, investigate that part of it, you know, the spiritual claim piece of it, which they know is going to get headlines. But that was kind of the part that they were looking at. And even going as far as to go and talk to the person um, at the center of this, I thought that was kind of interesting uh, to see. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's like you walk that line. Like, is this person just trying to get out of the get out of the whatever punishment they would have coming from this? And just to say, well, it wasn't me. It's essentially the devil made me do it case. And um, right. but but as Christians, we also know that you can be possessed. But I but I don't know. guys. Do you think, guys, that that actually let's say we could confirm that a demon entered him would would. And then that that's what led to those actions. Is is he any less culpable? Is he any less guilty for that? I mean, you look at you look mm. at Judas, actually, and, it, and I think it says it in Luke where, that Satan entered into him. Yeah. And then he went and betrayed Jesus. So but d does Judas get off the hook for that? No, <laughs> absolutely yeah. not. So uh, it's yeah, it certainly brings up a lot of questions, a story like that. It does. Yeah. I mean, I think obviously spiritually as believers, um, we know that we're still, because we live in a broken world and we're fallen and imperfect and, and completely depraved without Jesus, then I guess it would be, okay, it's regardless whether there's possession present or not, we're still responsible uh, because really we deserve uh, damnation and hell. So uh, we're still responsible for the actions that we take. But I think legally, you know, it's something that you, you have to wonder is, would there even be a way that you could prove anything like demon possession? Right. And if you could, how would that factor in in the courtroom and uh, in proceedings? So I, it's just a fascinating story. Um, but I think it's important to highlight and important to talk about because as believers, we know that spiritual warfare is very much real. Uh, and it does happen. So it's not outside the realm of possibility. Uh, it's just a matter of how does that factor in legally here uh, with, with our justice system? I don't know that it necessarily does or, or if it does, how it does. But um, it's, it's definitely a fascinating story that's, you know, raises a few eyebrows. It's been tried before. There have been people who have tried this, mm. obviously, to no avail. Yeah. The only other thing I would leave us with is that the two parts I found really compelling and interesting you know, he goes to see this woman because he's experiencing issues, right? That doesn't mean he's experiencing real possession, but he's clearly believed that something was going on before this happened, but that when he was allegedly attacking people and crashing his car into people, he was he had a crucifix and he was apparently using it as a weapon. I mean, there were there were a lot of religious strange mm -hmm. elements and yelling about Jesus and God during those incidents that it wasn't as though he just randomly said there was a spiritual element there. Right. He at least believed there was one as yeah. it was going on. Man. Well, we definitely need to be praying for the families there anyway, just, just cause of what happened Absolutely. and, um, be lifting them up and, uh, and, and all, all the stories really, I mean, you look at your story, Trey and Mark, you know, I mean, let's, let's pray that people are drawn, you know, that, that these efforts that, um, these believers are having, 
in their different spheres of influence that they that they would be effective for the gospel and and the same thing with the pro-life story the the horrible you know details of that one that people would have their eyes open you know I mean, you just you know in the realities uh, to, in your story billy of of when we're dabbling with the occult and you've covered a bunch of those stories and the dangers there this the spiritual war is real and as you mentioned trey we're all sinners and we're you know deserving of one sentence and so I, we, we just have to be aware of this and i, I think in going through a lot of these stories, you know, it, it becomes more and more evident our need for Christ. And so um, hopefully, you know, through prayer and and just uh, God working however he, you know, in, in all the ways we don't understand that he would draw more people towards him. Yeah. Indeed. All right. Well, that is all the time we have for this episode of the podcast. As always, you know, head on over to cbnnews.com faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. We'd love to have you here checking in every day to see what's going on and get the news from a Christian perspective. So God bless. We'll be back here tomorrow, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. Take care. Have a great rest of your Tuesday.